Well, good morning, church. My name's Chad Allen. I'm one of the Next Gen leaders here. And uh, we are in a, a study of the book of Luke. And we've, uh, everyone in this room knows the pain of rejection, of what it, it feels like to be rejected, to be left out. I remember one of the first times I really felt the sting of rejection. It was back in seventh grade, Mrs. Hall's English class. There was a beautiful girl by the name of Stephanie who sat across the room from me. And, and Stephanie, man, she just had, she had it all. You know, she, she was funny, she was smart, she got good grades easily, she uh, was popular, she was a cheerleader. Stephanie just had it all going on for her. And I remember seeing her smile at me one day. Now, now I know that she was smiling at her friend behind me, but, but I thought I had a chance to be her boyfriend. And so being the smooth Casanova that I am, I, I did the old classic, wrote her a love note. You know, roses are red, violets are blue. I like you, do you like me too? And then I put circle, yes or no, will you be my girlfriend? How that... How this didn't work, I have no idea, but, but I'll never forget the pain when, when I got the note back that she didn't just simply circle no, she circled no really big, really big. And, I, and the permanent marker was totally unnecessary. <laughs> you know, here, here it is 25 years later, and I, I still remember what that felt like, and it's okay now, you know, we're friends on Facebook and all that. Um, she's probably going to unfriend me after this, but the, uh, the, that trivial example, here it is over 25 years later, and I still remember it. And some of us have truly experienced rejection to the deepest level of people that should have loved us and cared for us instead rejected us and pushed us aside. That pain cuts deep and can be quite crippling because we, we all want to be inside the circle. We, we want to be inside the circle because when you're in the circle, your voice matters. People care about your opinion. When, when you're outside, nobody even thinks about you. But when you're inside, you will almost do anything to get inside or to stay inside. And so we'll almost put on a mask or be artificial and fake just so we can be inside the circle, or C.S. Lewis calls it the inner ring. We want to be inside the circle so bad that we, we allow fear to drive us. We, we, we don't want to be kicked out. We want to stay in the circle, and so fear takes the, the lead in that we, we won't take any risks, because when you're afraid, you don't take risks. And when, you're, when you don't take risks, you don't invent anything. Because, and when you don't invent anything, you, you don't take chances, you, you stay exactly how you are. And when you're outside the circle, it's miserable. You're rejected. You're alone. Every single one of us, we are all accountants. Now, I don't mean accountants like balancing a checkbook or financial ledger or anything like that, but we're accountants 
in regards to our relationships with others, that we, we keep score. If someone does something good or helps us, we, we, we boost their account. We give them credit. But when somebody hurts us, oh, we take, take away, and people can actually go negative in their balance. We're all accountants in that we keep score day after day. If you don't believe me, have you ever said anything like this? If you've ever started a sentence like, I remember when you dot, dot, dot. That's being an accountant. That's keeping a score. Today, we're going to talk about a man who wasn't only a good accountant, he, was, he knew the pain of rejection too. We're in Luke chapter 5, verse 27. And as we've been seeing, Jesus is getting quite the following. He, he, he's just, uh, last week we talked about how he healed, uh, how he healed a man who, who uh, couldn't get to Jesus because the crowd was so big. So his friends brought him to Jesus and actually took, tore a hole in the roof to get rid of the barrier to get their friend to Jesus. Today, we're going to see Jesus is the one removing the barrier. In Luke 5, verse 27, it says, After this he, that's Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Now, now Levi has two names. He's also called Matthew. So if you hear me talking about Matthew, that's Levi. Levi was sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Now, it's important we unpack this just a little bit to understand that tax collectors were, were hated in this time. They were seen as, as traitors. They were scum. Tax collectors, the way it worked in Rome, they would, Rome would uh, auction off the right to collect taxes, and the Jewish people were under the rule of Rome, and they would auction off the, the right to collect taxes, and whoever was the highest bidder had the right to collect taxes. And, and Rome would set their cut, what, how much they wanted, but the tax collector could collect above and beyond that. It was a very lucrative business where people could get filthy rich. But these people were traitors, in the, in the eyes of the crowds of the people because they were helping Rome. They were helping their enemy continue to, to rule. And so tax collectors were truly despised. And Levi is one of them. Uh, tax collectors were so despised that, you know, they taxed everything uh, from wheat, food, to bridges, you name it, it was taxed. And it was a constant reminder of the tax collector was helping the enemy. These tax collectors, they, they were seen as unfit. They, they couldn't serve in any judicial capacity. They couldn't serve jury duty or anything like that. They, they in fact, well, their money wasn't even accepted in the te temple or the synagogue. They, they were not, uh, their offerings wouldn't be accepted. And tax collectors were the lowest of the low. Uh, my, my boys had been learning about tax collectors a couple of years ago uh, at church. At church, they were talking tax collectors and how, how they were hated. And one day, my son and I are at Walmart, and he finds something that he wants to buy with his own money, so he's got five bucks. And we go up to the, the register, it's five bucks, he's ready to buy it. But when the cashier tells us the amount it's $5.40-odd cents, you know, a change. 
And and my son didn't understand. He said it was five bucks. And I I said, son, it's it's because of the taxes. He looked at me with the biggest eyes you can imagine and said, she's a tax collector. (laughs) My son got it. You know, he got it how, how, how hated they were. Uh, the only thing I can think, um, to put it in our today, today's mentality, would, uh, and I don't know if this, but this is what I imagine it would feel like uh, with Ukraine and the Russian invasion. That Can you imagine a Ukrainian collecting money to support the Russian army? How hated that person would be. How betrayed everyone would feel. That, that's how the people felt towards tax collectors in Jesus' day. And so Jesus sees Levi there. Did Jesus just walk away? No. Jesus has got the crowd following him. He sees Levi, and he chooses to go over to Levi. Instead of avoiding him like everyone else would do, instead of looking at Levi and pointing out to the crowd, hey, aren't you glad you didn't turn out like that guy? Instead, Jesus goes towards him. He's removing the barrier. When when Jesus gets up to Levi, you know, he could have said anything, anything to Levi. And he could have said something like this, Levi, I bet your mom is so proud of you. He didn't. Instead, Jesus offers Levi a request, an invitation to follow him. It's the same invitation he gives to to so many others. That Jesus goes up to Levi and says, follow me. And that's it. He didn't say, Levi, stop doing this and then you can follow me. Or, Or start doing this, Levi, and then you can follow me. He didn't put conditions on it. He just said, follow me. Levi must have understood the request. Because it says he left everything there in order to follow Jesus. Well, Jesus had a following. What's so um, outrageous about this is, is that Jesus was choosing a tax collector, a person that would have been totally avoided by others, someone who is broken, someone who is just not right. Levi was invited to follow Jesus. That's the invitation Jesus gives to us, to follow him. I think that's a question we all need to ask. Am I following Jesus? Am I following? It it doesn't matter if if you've grown up in church and your grandparents were the pillars of the church and your parents did this and that and and you got baptized as a kid. The question is for us today, am I following? Am I following? It's not a one-and-done type deal. It's a leaving everything behind, just as Levi does, in order to follow him. And Levi, here, imagine all the other rabbis, all the other rabbis asked their disciples to follow, that they were the ones who, who selected who they asked to follow them. But yet, here's Jesus, this rabbi, reaching out to a tax collector, inviting him to follow him. You can just picture the crowd like an audible, oh, man, really, this guy? 
I mean, you, you can just imagine Peter having a cow about it and saying something. It's just Simon the Zealot. I mean, Simon the Zealot, think about it. Zealots were, were zealous to get rid of Roman power. He would have had a big problem that zealots were even sometimes uh, aggressive physically, uh, even violent of, uh, in opposition to Rome, Roman rule. And Simon the Zealot, one of the other disciples, sees Levi, Levi, he's a tax collector. But Jesus chose him. What other rabbis were calling tax collectors to follow them? What other rabbis was doing that? I love how someone pointed out that people that were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And Jesus liked people who were nothing like him. He invited him to follow just as he had done the other disciples. The reaction of the crowd, we know, has to be off, is upset. I mean, the Pharisees are there. They were the religious leaders of the day, and they prided themselves in their segregation. They believed that segregation was the key of staying away from people like tax collectors and other sinners, of separating themselves from them, or else they might rub off on you, might get some tax collector cooties. I don't know, but the Pharisees are blown away by this too. But it gets worse. Not only is Jesus asking Levi to follow him, it gets so much worse. Where does Jesus go next? He goes to Levi's house. This, this is Jesus' pattern, his MO. If you remember, he meets Zacchaeus. What did he do after he met Zacchaeus? Jesus said, I'm going to your house today. Why did Jesus do that? That wasn't, that wasn't okay in the eyes of the religious rulers. And leaders. Why? Because I believe Jesus wanted them to follow, but also wanted them to be comfortable as they got to know Jesus. And so Jesus was willing to go to a place that would cost him his reputation in order to meet them on their own turf. In verse 29, says, And Levi made him a great feast. Levi is throwing a party for Jesus, and not just any party, you know. He's throwing a kegger, imagine that, <laughs> in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. That others there, we know because Matthew, this story is found in Matthew as well, and it points out other sinners, all right? So it's Levi, a tax collector, and all his buddies, all his tax collectors and sinners, all these bad guys. You know, uh, your mama always warned you to stay away from the wrong crowd. That's the crowd that's here. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees, for almost two centuries, have been segregating away from them, uh, away from people like Levi. And yet here Jesus is, this great rabbi, just going over to their house and joining the party. Why? I'm sure they were feeling the pain of rejection. They, they were, why does Jesus want to hang out with them who are nothing like him over us? Why is Jesus doing that? They grumble to the disciples, and I, I don't know how it went down, but Jesus, Jesus heard it in some way. Because in verse 31, Jesus answers them, 
Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Imagine, imagine what that would have been like to hear Jesus saying that. I mean, the party's going on, and I can imagine it just comes to like a screeching halt. You know, the music stops, everyone just stops, and, and, and Levi says, what? what? You're a guest in my house? And you're, you're saying, I, I'm, I'm sick, but you're saying, I get it. I, you're saying all those guys out there, they're healthy, and that's why you don't need them. But Jesus, you're in here with us be, because we're sick. You're calling me sick? I can just see Jesus looking Levi right in the eye, saying, Levi, you're a tax collector. Of course you're sick. But you throw an incredible party, so they all went back to high-fiving, and the party keeps going. You know, Jesus made, uh, made them comfortable by, by meeting them on their own turf, in their own house, joining the party and the celebration. And why are they partying? Because Jesus, this, this famous rabbi, is choosing them, is hanging out with them. He's choosing them over the Pharisees. He is choosing them. The, the tax collectors never got chosen. They were always overlooked. They were always rejected and pushed to the side. And here Jesus is saying, I want to be with you more than anyone else. It, it's interesting when you think that Levi was an outcast. He was rejected. But he wasn't like others. We've been talking about how nobody is untouchable, unreachable, or unlovable. But, but some people are seen as that. And what makes Levi different here is, is that Levi chose that. You, you know, the, the man with leprosy, the, the paralytic, the, these people didn't choose to be rejected. It happened to them. But Levi knew better. Levi chose to be a tax collector. Ah, it just shows us, man, the power of Jesus' love. Of his forgiveness isn't just for our sins of omission, but also our sins of, of commission. That, that we know, Levi knew he was sick. He knew he was a tax collector. He knew he was rejected. Just like us, guys, we, we know we're sick. That's why Jesus could say something that even like offensive like that, but because he loved them so much, they would listen. They would hear it. Because the truth is, when we look in the mirror, we know we're sick. You don't need me up here on a stage pointing out your problems, your faults, your flaws. You know when you look in the mirror that there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. I mean, we're not even consistent with our own rules. We, we tell our children, you know, don't do this or stay away from this. Be careful. But then we turn around and, and we're not careful with the things that we tell them to be careful. We don't consistently do what we, intel, what we tell our employees to do. We're, we break our own rules. Of course we break God's because we break our own rules. We don't even keep them. I mean, we have the saying, uh, do as I say, not as I do. Why? Because we, we're sick. We're sick. While Levi chose to be an outcast, Jesus chose him. 
You know, I love, I love our church. When you look around the room, you look around, man, you see all these different backgrounds and personalities. We, we're quite a mix, you know? We're, we're the misfits, the, the rebels, the exiles that don't fit in, you know, a square peg and a round hole. That's us. You, you look around... You look around and, man, you'll, you'll see white collar, you'll see blue collar, you'll, you'll see pop collar, you'll see shot collars, you'll see. <laughs> but I love it. You see, people, we are making it easier for everyone to know Jesus. Not just our group, not just our home, homies, not just our posse, but for everyone to know Jesus. Jesus went to the misfits and the rebels and the exiles, people that didn't fit in. Jesus was there, and he didn't say, change, and then you can follow me, but he said, follow me, and you will change. Jesus walks towards the outcast. He comes for the lowliest of the low, and he comes to call sinners to repentance, not the self-righteous. Uh, what, what doctor specializes with healthy people most of the time. That we don't call the doctor up and say, hey, doc, I, I need to see you because my life's just going great. My health is amazing. Everything's good. I, I just need to come and brag to you. No, no, the doctors, well, if a good physician will spend time with people that are hurting, people that are sick. That's exactly what Jesus is doing. That he is going to the outcast, going to those who are rejected to reach to them. He, he's reaching out to those who, who didn't live right but knew they needed help. He didn't reach out to those that were so self-righteous, so full of themselves that they didn't think they needed Jesus, but rather he reached out to those who when they looked in the mirror knew they were sick and knew that they needed someone to help them. Jesus came for the sick. You see, Jesus he could have spent all of his time with those who believed the right things and be, behaved the right ways, but he wasn't content with that. Instead, he went and he hung out with those who, who didn't believe the right things or behaved the right ways, but he wasn't content. He wanted to bring those who do believe the right things and behave the right ways together with those who don't, to join them together. That was his mission to call the sick to repentance. You know, we've got to be very careful that we don't get caught up in that self-righteous mentality, that, we, we, that the, Pharisees, this, the Pharisees, there's still Pharisees today that are so confident that they are believing the right thing. They know the Bible better than anyone. They even know the maps in the back. They, they know it so well. They, they don't they don't do the things that people shouldn't do, that Jesus' followers shouldn't do. And they look and they, they condemn those who do the wrong things. We can't be content to just believe and behave the right ways. We, we need to reach out to those that don't and bring them together with those that do. That's what Jesus does. Because if we don't, we might find ourselves outside of the very room that Jesus inhabits. Our part is to call people who are 
apart to be a part of the body of Christ. See, our part is, is to call people who are apart, people who are rejected, people who are not in the circle, to come and be a part of the body of Christ. That's our part. That's what I love seeing how God is moving on this mountain. He is doing amazing things. Every week we are hearing story after story of how people are, are getting to know Jesus and what Jesus is doing in them, the change and the growth that he's bringing. And, and it's exciting to hear that. But we can't forget, we've got a part in that too. Our part is to call those, to reach out to those who are a part, those that are kicked out and rejected, to bring them in to be a part of the body of Christ. It's ironic what, what Levi's name means. Levi's name means joined or united. Levi, when you think about the Levites, the Levites were God's chosen people to serve, to serve him. I am sure that Levi, every time he heard his name, was reminded he was a failure, that he didn't measure up, that he fell short. Because of, instead of being joined or united with God's people, he was cast out. He was kicked to the side. But, but Levi's name gets changed. In the next chapter, you'll see Luke listens, lists the disciples. There's not a Levi there. His name was Matthew. Matthew means gift of God. That Levi or Matthew, he left everything to follow Jesus. He left the comfortable job and he found honor. He found destiny. He left the comfort and security of a good income in order to take a life of risk and adventure with Jesus. You see, church, we, when we follow Jesus, we might not have certainty provided by security from the world. What we're choosing, when we choose to follow Jesus, there's a cost. We can't be his disciples unless we pay the cost, unless we deny ourselves and pick up our cross. We cannot be his disciples. But in the midst of all the uncertainty from the world perspective, we find certainty in Jesus. That we know there's nothing he cannot do. That he can do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. We find certainty in Jesus. That's why he says, don't let your hearts be troubled, right? Believe in me. Believe in Jesus. That's where, as a Christ follower, we find certainty. Matthew left everything that day, but I like to think he took his pen. Because Matthew ends up writing the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And if you know anything about the Gospel of Matthew, it was written to the, a Jewish audience. But think about it. This is, it's so ironic how, how God chooses who he chooses and what he calls them to do. That he chose Matthew to write to the Jews. That he, Matthew, a tax collector, was the instrument that he used to reach the Jews. Paul, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. If anybody had confidence, it was Paul, right? If anybody could reach the Pharisees, 
It, it, it would be Paul, right? He could reach the Jews better than anybody. But where did God use Paul? He used him with the Gentiles. You see, there's this truth in Scripture that you'll find. Second Corinthians makes it so clear that God's strength, God's power, His grace, His grace is all we need, and His power is on display, not in our strengths, but in our weaknesses. In our weaknesses, that's where His power is displayed. His strength is what we need. And so Matthew became God's chosen instrument. This tax collector became God's chosen instrument to, to reach the Jewish people. Last week, Ernie gave us a challenge with the word bless. If you remember, bless, each letter was an acronym. B, begin with prayer. L, listen. E, eat. S, serve. S, story. Share your story. And that, I, I won't take all the time to go over that, but I just want to ask, how have you been doing? Are you doing it? It takes time. It takes time to, to be a blessing to friends, to, to reach them and, and get, make it easier for them to know Jesus. It takes time. It takes effort. It doesn't just happen accidentally. We have to be intentional about it. So how are you doing? Keep doing these things. Don't grow tired in doing good. Remain faithful and keep doing these things. Uh, we do it together. You know, when we do that, when we, are, when we bless our friends, I pray that we'll live in such a way that our friends would say we are, like Matthew, a gift from God. Our past doesn't disqualify us. No, it all depends on Him. It's not about us at all. As I was getting ready to, to write this message, I, <clears throat> I had no clue what I was going to say about Matthew or Levi. And so I asked my son, I said, hey, why do you think Jesus called a tax collector to follow him? My son said, well, Jesus came for the lowliest of the low. I'm like, that, that's pretty good. You want to preach? No, the lowliest of the low. And I said, well, what do you think Jesus meant by that? Man, I got Bible schooled by my son. He said, Jesus' own words were the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So how are you doing? Are you reaching out to the last? Are you serving? Are you living it out? Are you being a gift of God to others? Let's not grow tired. Let's not grow weary in this. We know one day we will reap a harvest. And in the meantime, let's make it easier for everyone to know Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love. God, you people that are truly loved, truly love. And so, Father, we pray that the love you had poured into our hearts and the hope that you have given us would pour into others this week in every conversation that we have. May we make the most of every opportunity. 
in Jesus' name that we pray and all who agree, say amen.